Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into episode 152 of the Get Around Podcast. My name is Jake Adnip, sitting alone in the studio yet again, but joined via FaceTime by my co-workers, my friends, James Cook, Andrew Rosenthal. James, I, <laughs> I have to bring this up because nobody can see you, of course. Even I can't. James is in his full-on ugly Santa beer sweater with a Santa hat and everything for the recording of this podcast. So we are in the bring the cheer. Yeah, we are in the festivist spirit. We are going to enjoy it today. He sparked it. We are going to do another tournament here on the get around. We'll get into it more later, but we are doing a tournament for the best Christmas movie of all time. It's going to be taking place over the next couple of weeks. We just did the top 16, and we're going to run from there on Twitter. So make sure you follow us at TCRE Sports so you can join in on those polls. But James got us in the spirit. We're going to stay in the spirit by talking about Christmas and doing some other fun stuff today on the podcast. We only have a couple more weeks. You know, We always like to talk about what our favorite Christmas gifts and everything are. But we're going to talk about another gift, or not really a gift, but kind of a gift, a crappy one from the University of Michigan to Ohio State forfeiting their game this weekend. Uh, that's going to be in our trifecta. And then the the big things on this show, of course, our guest athlete of the week, our first athlete ever from Grayling High School, representing the Vikings, senior Hunter Ventline. Uh, he joined us, had a great interview, talking about the surprise run to a regional final for the Grayling Vikings and what they've been able to do to get there. So make sure you stick around for that interview. And then after we do that, we are going to reveal the first and second teams of our cross-country all-region dream teams uh, for 2020 here on the podcast. We did it for soccer last week, and we're going to keep that trend going. So cross-country will be revealed after our interview with Hunter, and then we'll dive into that trifecta stuff later. Before we get too deep into the episode, always want to remind you, this episode is sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Gentlemen, I know this is tough to talk about once again, but that's why we're here. You know, we got the news yesterday from the governor that the statewide pause or the statewide shutdown was extended another 12 days, which puts it to December 20th, which cuts out the possibility of starting practice what would have been tomorrow on December 9th. Start having a game like next Tuesday for volleyball, football. It kind of put a big wrench in all those things. This is another tough day. We had a lot of hope, and you know, I feel like you know, everybody can kind of thought that no news was good news from the governor's office for the last couple of weeks. They kind of like ignored it and let it go. You know, last, late last week they brought it up and didn't really say anything about having to shut down or do sports. But what this means for athletes, guys, I want to talk, you know, we, we've, we had Hunter on here, but I know you guys have had a chance to speak to some of these other kids. The shutdown was already hard enough, but now we know at least football is not going to, you know, finish in the near future. Yeah, Mark Ewell did just say on the radio, the MHSA, they're not even going to set dates and it's meeting tomorrow. The timing of the extension ending right before the holiday is going to make it really difficult um, for its schedule, and it's basically going to be day-to-day, and that's not anything anyone wants to hear. Oh, on top of that, MDHHS is saying that the next thing to open yesterday will be casinos, movie theaters, bowling alleys, and high schools, not organized sports yeah so i know that the mhsa you know not even they 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 put out a very short press release yesterday basically with just a quote from mark ewell saying we're disappointed we thought that we provided the correct representation we saw you saw that we were able to do this there was enough and he's 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 double downed on all of that like and and he's like oh they all have he's like said oh to say he just said now to say that we're disappointed would be an understatement yeah you know 
we have yet to be given a good answer as to why our plan didn't make sense. I mean, those are serious quotes from yeah, the director coming that. from the director. And, and they said they gave them a very detailed plan. I mean, we saw over the last few months, you know, I mean, James, you just wrote the story that the Kingsley football outbreak was the only thing that's been attributed to a football team as an actual outbreak. But as you did that story, that really wasn't how it kind of happened. You know, so like the, the data is there that it really hasn't spread through Michigan high school sports. This is a, a punch in the gut for a lot of people, I think. Don't you, James? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I mean, you had that hope that you were going to be able to finish the, the playoffs before or right around Christmas and everything, get that done in 2020 and, you know, finally have some that conclusion to the year and maybe get something a little more good out of 2020. But now it's going to be 2021 if if they figure out how to do it. I, mean, I think the thing that makes most sense would just be to sandwich it in between winter and spring sports now, but you know, then you might have to compress those a little bit or push spring more into the summer. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Cody Inglis, when I talked to him yesterday, said the exact same thing. The most likely scenario is going to be a month-long season for football in the middle of probably March and April, right when the weather starts to break around most of the state. I mean, it would probably be a little bit snowy up here still. It would probably be a little difficult for our teams up here. Uh, but who knows? They might end up switching, and that's what that's one thing we probably didn't ask Hunter, but they might end up switching sites just for that you know particular reason if it's, say, late March and it's snowy up here, but it's not downstate. But it, it's it's only one way this can work. It's not going to work after the first of the year, right? Not like in the immediacy after the first year. We know how the weather gets, and you know new semesters for schools, winter sports is supposed to start up. There's just no way they're going to do it. They'll have the sandwiches between a couple of things just to try not to pull these other athletes from their sports, you know, from that winter sports, from that spring sport that did get so marred already. And, you know, that's the thing he said, you know, their big concern now is how how to do this without impacting the other sports, because the other sports already had, you know, uh, such a you know big hit in 2020. You know, 20, spring sports season never even had tryouts, you mm-hmm. know, so it was like they're they're doing what they can to try to fit it in there. I mean. The one thing that I, I think there is some hope out of this. I don't want to bring up all just negative. Volleyball, we said this. Volleyball was supposed to finish from Tuesday to Saturday next week. It ta- they basically they say they're saying that it takes five days to do three rounds of volleyball playoffs. That is possible. I feel as if almost anywhere, right? If it doesn't have that, I feel like that does not have to be sandwiched between winter and spring or something like that. If they need to do a one week long volleyball tournament on January 14th through the 18th because sports are back open. I feel that that is exactly what they will do. Mm-hmm. You know? Well, I mean, and even if, even if they, um, if maybe the department of uh, health and human services relents a little bit and decides that after December 20th, uh, high school sports can resume, you could theoretically fit volleyball in there uh, before the end of the year. Exactly. I mean, you could play the, you could play the quarterfinals, right? you know, on that Tuesday before Christmas and then have the semifinals and finals the week in between Christmas and, and New Year's and get that done. Same thing with the swimming finals, which is a one-day thing. But those are – see, that's, that's, that was the thing I wanted to bring up. There, there is still actually, you know, I guess the, for, for the most hope is swimming and diving because their finals were already scheduled – well, not already, but already rescheduled from the first time in November to December 23rd. Okay, so that's all the way past this second shutdown. So they don't have to reschedule anything again yet. So if this just gets cut off at the 20th and they say, hey, you can do it, and that might, you know, you said whatever, gyms, bowling alleys, 
that might include the Civic Center pools and everything like that. So the swimming might be able to actually get this season off before Christmas. Yeah, I mean, the swimming would be the easiest because it's also just it's a one day event. So it's just you just got to find one day where you can get it in there and, and get it in. You know, volleyball, you still got three rounds to go. Football, you've got three rounds to go for the 11 player teams and two rounds for the eight player teams. I mean, and you just, I don't know, just, just if you can even do it in January, you know, with the weather, if we get huge snowstorms or anything, I mean, you've got, you got 36 games that still need to be played in the, in the first week that's left of the playoffs. And even if you played all of those at Ford Field and the Superior Dome, you would be spreading them out throughout the entire week. Yeah. Those are the only, those are the only two domes in the state. Yeah, and I mean, that's why they, they don't think it's going to happen in January. I don't even think, you know, they, they we've had Cody on this podcast several times now, and every time he says, you know, everything's on the table, everything's on the table, everything's on the table. And I think he gave me the best quote, you know, the story last night. He was just like, if there's one thing we learned in 2020 is even the best laid plans get blown up in like seven seconds. And he's, mm-hmm. like, I, I, he's like, at this point, I think we're on plan like F2.6. <laughs> you know, like, we're all the Somewhere way down in the XYZ, to... Yeah. in the XYZ range. Exactly, like... It, it, Not even, like, XYZ. It's like when, you, when you're when in like Excel... We're yeah, double X, double A is, like... We're, we're, you're in double Z. Yeah, so, like... And, like, I... And once again, like... And this is the same thing I talk to coaches and stuff. Like, I feel so horrible for these kids that, you know, we just talked to Hunter. For these kids that we cover all the time, like... Oh my gosh, the, the 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 senior football players, the senior volleyball players, the senior swimmers. I'm not saying that anybody else doesn't matter, but the people who are still in this right now, it's like I can't imagine the feeling of possibly having played your last game but not know it. Like you really did still have like a game in you, you know, until you lose or you win. Like I cannot imagine how eating that feeling is. The other thing I guess I just thought of would be, you know, if, if after the 20th they decide that, sports could could go and that would have to be a change of what they've already said from what andrew said but you could fit in the eight player finals yeah before the end of the year because they only have the two weeks to go whereas the the 11 players have three so if you did the tuesday night games just like they were planning on doing before you could still play the eight player finals before the end of the year and then those then those kids could be ready for for basketball when basketball starts up in january hopefully but that's the thing you you have to you have to still factor in and even the players will tell you this you have to factor in at least one week of practice yeah you have to and I, i'm pretty sure the mhsa would not allow teams to do like a three day off a three-month break to play a football game like that's just not safe i think the, i think we all at least some of us in the high school sports community saw when that first schedule got released so we're gonna play tuesday night games and a monday night state championship is this actually gonna happen some of us looked at that and said, no way. No way this actually – no way in three weeks we actually start playing sports. Yeah, I was praying for it, I can tell you that much. I, we were yeah, all praying I was hoping for, for it. We were all hoping for it. We were all I, praying I, I'll put it for this hope. way. I, I think I was on board with most of the sports community up until probably – I wouldn't say yesterday, but probably like Saturday when I didn't hear anything positive from the state. I was like, yeah, I think that's not good. Uh, but, you know, numbers – you know they're not they're not getting any better, but they've still like. I mean, look, we're talking about when we're talking about reopening things now. We're talking about it because of vaccines coming. I mean, when and that's going to be permanent. Yeah, and that's at least thing. hopefully. Yeah, but that's the other thing is that that's why that's why I feel like the MHSAA is 
their best course of action, and we'll kind of leave this here. I feel like their best course of action is not to just, like, cut it all off, but at least with the football playoffs, like, kind of cut this off right now and focus their energy on how to figure this out for the spring. Because yeah. what, what not, trying to do this right now is just not going to work out. So I yeah. think they should focus their energy on the spring. Here's what I want to end on. If you're the MHSAA, what's going to be your plan to deal with the rest of sports? You know, we, I mean, we talk to kids about the winter. We talk to kids about finishing the fall. We talk to kids about the spring. What is your plan? I'll tell you mine at the end of this podcast, or at the end of what, what both of you are saying, because I put it out on Twitter. And I can defend it, but what is your plan to finish if you're an administrator right now? Mine would be I, I would I would have the football playoffs in start like April first because April is pretty much unplayable around here for baseball and softball and all that most of the time anyway. So you you get those couple of weeks. You might even be able to do the last week of March depending on when you can end your basketball. That's season. what I would say. Yeah, about, about March twentieth because the basketball and, season. And uh, so then you get the, that three weeks of the football season in the you know the, if the if you haven't been able to do the volleyball and swimming yet, you you get those in there because those are even shorter. And you should be able to go right into what is normally your traditional weather delayed spring start. Play a little condensed season, but I don't think you have to cut it short. I don't necessarily, uh, but you know they—that's once again they want to finish this stuff. James, I think, said it best: March twentieth to April twentieth, give them that first week of practice, three weeks worth of games in April, when really not much else is going on. It's basically just practice, early games for the spring sports seasons. So, My plan, and well, I'll I'll leave this at that. Winter or fall season's over. I mean, you got regional, you got district t- championship trophies. Leave it at that. Let's plan on having an abbreviated winter season to allow the spring athletes to play their seasons in full. They already lost the 2020 season. I don't really want to cut any time away from the baseball season Wait, or well, softball you, season. You wouldn't, have to, you wouldn't have to abbreviate winter season to make that happen, though. They would never run into each other. Yeah, because there's always a couple weeks gaps in between when basketball ends and when baseball and softball can start because of the weather. But in but that weather period in there is still good enough that you can play football in. If I was an administrator, I wouldn't want to have the football season happen at the expense of baseball. You know, yeah. well, no, that's the and I don't think it will. Yeah. And you're talking there's only 72 teams that are left. That's what I mean. And by week two, there's only so that's under 10 percent of of the MHSAA. Yeah, and then by week by the second week of that, there's 36. And then once again, 16. Like it's not it's nothing. So mm-hmm. I I would say, I mean either way. All I know, and we can leave it this, like you just said, the MHSAA, and this is straight from Cody Inglis, their top priority with moving football to the spring is making sure it does not impact the other sports. And that's it. That's about it. When they do it and how they do it is to make sure that it's not going to overlap or take away, like you said, Andrew, from other, from those other sports. Because as you said, the spring sports athletes losing an entire season last year doesn't help. A lot of them got to play some summer ball or something like that, but it does not do any justice. So that segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. We're going to go ahead and dive into our interview with Grayling senior quarterback Hunter Ventline. Had a great one with him here at the Get Around on Tuesday. Let's go ahead and give a listen to that now. The Get Around Podcast is excited to welcome in Grayling Senior Quarterback, Hunter Ventline. Thank you so much for joining us today at the Get Around. How's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. 
We have uh, been very excited to have you uh, on here, Grayling. I don't think we've actually had an athlete from Grayling on the podcast yet, so you are our first. So that is exciting. We get to know a little bit more about the Vikings, and obviously this football season has been amazing. But before we do that, we're going to dive into our Freaky Fast Five and nod to our sponsor at Jimmy John's and Ask Hunter Five rapid-fire questions to get to know him a little bit and have you guys, our listeners, get to know him a little bit. So I'm going to start off. What is your favorite or the coolest college mascot? This is a hard one. I mean, I'm a Michigan fan and Wolverines, though. They still got their mascot. Do they even have a mascot, though? Because I mean, I'm pretty sure they're infamous for not having a mascot. Right. I mean, that is true. If I got to pick a mascot, then I don't know. Probably four Gators. The Gators? Okay. Okay. Their, their mascot is Jim Harbaugh's khakis. <laughs> what are the worst chores that your parents have given you? Not too bad, actually. Probably just the basic stuff, just washing dishes and keeping my own stuff together, keeping my poop in a group. What's the record for the longest time it's taken to tackle David Milliken? <laughs> That's a hard one, actually. I think the only one counting is him. Got that timer going off in his head. We, we'll, we'll probably bring this up later, but if you've seen, we, we kind of already talked about this, Hunter has... A nice Viking-esque hair, like a lot of his teammates. So what? how long has it taken you to grow out that hair? Long time, actually, since my seventh grade year of middle school. I've been growing out just trims here and there, but it's still just, thing grows fast. Man, that is commitment. <laughs> That's like six years, seven years? Yeah. Oh I've been. I've had long hair for quite some time now. So, so were you the trailblazer with the long hair on the team, or has it just been a thing in Grayling in general? I like to think so. I like to think I started the trend. But, I mean, I don't really know. What conspiracy theory do you actually believe? It's got to be aliens. I got to believe in the aliens. I do, too. They're probably already here. Okay. So bonus, bonus question. If you're a TikTok guy, what's your favorite TikTok trend? Logan Klett, actually one of our linemen, has TikTok. He's probably my favorite one to watch. He's he's his own trend. He, he's a big big guy, big goofy guy. So whatever comes to his head, and it's it's quite a riot. That was the Freaky Fast Five, sponsored by our sponsors over at Jimmy John's. Let's go ahead and dive into the rest of this interview with Hunter. I know this has been a wild season, Hunter, and especially right now, you know, we're about 24 hours out and 24 hours before we get, you know, real news from the MHSAA. But just in the last, you know, 24 hours, you kind of got the news that you ain't going to be restarting this season, aren't going to get a chance to get a chance at a regional title. What, what's the reaction from the athlete point of view, especially somebody who's, you know, kind of have a magical run with Grayling right now? We were all super excited and everybody had their hopes up. But it's definitely a gut punch, especially with how far we came, even through the previous years with the hard seasons that we've had in the previous years. And But everybody's keeping their heads up. Nobody's really worried about it. We're all just staying calm, doing our own thing. We've got everybody's doing our workouts. Everybody's been texting each other in the group chat. We all got assigned people that we've been talking to and checking in with each other. So as a team, we're still staying. We keep still bonded together and we keep moving forward. I mean, it sucks, especially for a lot of the seniors that we have on the team. But like I said before, everybody has heart on the team. So none of us are really worried, worried and we love playing the game. So what we can get is what we can get. If I recall, uh, you know, Coach Eric Tunney kind of said almost every day it could have been your last. And it was kind of how you guys were supposed to prepare for this. Did that make it any easier uh, when the shutdown happened or anything like that? Is that Was that the attitude? Did that kind of actually permeate your guys' mind? Most definitely. We didn't get too worried. It was just kind of he put that in our head at the beginning of the season that any game could be our last game. So we play, we play every game like it could be the last game. And I think that's really helped throughout the season. But when we have these small setbacks, when it actually does happen, I don't 
it's not really bothering anybody because we all know it. We could come back and still be doing great stuff. So I know the prospects look pretty bleak for football finishing anytime in the extremely near future. But what is it? What is it like in the headspace for your your team to be like, hey, we might need to take three months off, play a whole other season of a different sport or something like that before we can actually try to finish this magical playoff run. It's definitely hard because we got a lot of basketball players and they still want a season real bad. I don't play a high school sport in the winter, but I do snowboard. So that's another thing that comes in to where if we don't know what they're going to do, when they're going to start things back up again. So, I mean, we all want to have a good, good season throughout the winter and hopefully things come back whenever they come back. But I don't think anybody's really worried about it yet again because we all have heart. Everybody's going to keep staying in shape. Everybody's going to keep doing their job to be ready for whenever we come back. So, so we got to go back to the hair, right? So so when the season starts back up, are you going to put the cornrows back in? Of course, always. It's We've been on a playoff streak with it. I've been doing my cornrows. My girlfriend has the night before the game. So it's been working. Yeah. You, you said they kind of hurt a little bit? Oh, they, they definitely hurt. It definitely is a painful process, and my girlfriend definitely thinks it's funny to do it. But <laughs> You haven't been tackled by them, though? No, I have not. Now when it's out, when the hair's out, yes, I've definitely – it's been grabbed and pulled on. The only problem I have is with the face masks. The braids swing forward and get caught in the Velcro on the face masks, the face shields. Okay. So so you, do you consider yourself like the Trevor Lawrence of Northern Michigan football? I mean, that's what everybody calls me, so I roll with it. I like it. Now, I've always wondered this. Does does it having so much hair make it difficult, like, just with the helmet in general? To, does it come off easier? Does it, like, is it, does it have to, like, stuff it all in there just so, like, it's not in your face? Kind of. I mean, the headband definitely makes a big difference, but it's definitely a more hassle without the helmet. Kind of with the helmet, keeps it back. But it does like to come forward and get up and up in my face mask and my mouth and everything. So that's the unfortunate part of it. Have you ever had to blame your hair for an incomplete pass? Definitely. I've definitely come through on my follow through on the throw and catch it a couple times. Now, I, I, I want to talk about, you know, the way you guys have turned around this season. You know, it, you know you, you had a couple of big wins to start and then a little bit of a rocky road. And just since then, you guys have just kind of rolled, uh, you know, beating really good teams here in the playoffs. A lot of our local teams and, you know, moving on to this regional title. What's the momentum been like for this team since you guys, I think it was, tight, I mean, it technically would have been like week six, but I think it would have been like your third week of the season. You guys lost that game and then you turned around and went from there. Well, everybody we play in the season, nobody's a slouch. Every, every team we play from Kingsley, from TC, Ogemaw, nobody's a slouch. So, I mean, it definitely was coming out the first three games. We played Kalkaska, um, and then we come right into Traverse City and Kingsley and probably some of the best teams around right now. And definitely keeping up with them and running with them for the first half at both games is definitely uh, – it's motivating, especially with how good we were doing. But the hard part with us is we're such a small team and majority of our guys play both ways. So it's really hard. We, we condition a lot and try to condition ourselves for the second half of the game when everybody's already still fresh, pretty much. What was the toughest of those three losses? I mean, you started the season one and three, but what was the toughest of those three losses to take and kind of served as the most motivation going forward? Definitely TC. It had to be TC. We were... We were running really good in the first half of the game, but this is this—that's definitely the game we realized we had to work on our conditioning and something definitely changed in our practice, where we started running a lot more. We definitely hit the sleds a ton more, 
and it, it made a difference. It made the difference because now we go back and we run these sprints and we hit the sled and it's nothing to us now. So it, it's made the difference for the second half of the game as well. Hunter, I think that you're, uh, if, if you guys would have hosted the regional uh, about a, almost a month ago at this point, it would have been a first in grayling history. Can you talk about what just the run has been like for your city and your community? You know, what's what uh, Coach Tony said, he's got a lot of texts and he's heard a lot about it. What have you heard as a quarterback? I've heard a lot of amazing, a lot of amazing things. The whole town's behind us. Everywhere I go, I hear about it. People I don't even know come up to me and congratulate me for everything that we've done so far this year. The team, the town loves it, but it's definitely been a journey through this year. It was really cool because it's been quite a few years now since we won a district championship, and the town really getting behind that. That was cool. Uh, the escorts out of town and the lines of people on the side of the road cheering along definitely was. It was an eye-opener, and it, it, it was really cool for the town to get behind like that. But every playoff game we've had so far, it's been the same thing. Escort out of town, whole town's cheering. It's definitely been really cool to see that. Yeah, you ended up being probably one of the last football games playing in the state of Michigan until uh, the Sunday before everything got shut down. What, what, did that kind of feel weird, knowing that you finished the district championships before? You I mean, you got that hardware before everything else like got shut down? Like That's got to feel weird, I kind of think. It definitely feel weird. It was the last thing that we've really done, even the full whole team. That was the cherry on the cake right there. That was everybody was pumped about that. But it was definitely weird playing on the Saturday too, because we've never played on a Saturday as a team. So coming into that game playing on a Saturday at that time, that was definitely odd for us as well. But I think we were all speechless after the game. That is something that has been held high in Grayling for many years. I even have family and friends that were on that team that won the last district champs, and they would always give me hard times about how they've been the only team to do it now. And now that I, I can say that I've done it, it's definitely a, it's a good feeling. Backing up a week, you guys shut out almost a really good Manistee team. I remember being in that press box in Glen Lake, and they heard that, oh, it's 43 to nothing, Grayling, and everyone's like, what? Um, what, what, can you, what was that game like? Because none of us got a chance to see it. That definitely was uh, an eye-open for us in the playoffs that we, we really could do this. Nobody picked us for that game. Um, everybody had Manistee for that, so that was kind of hard for us as a team coming into that. But I feel like it gave everybody a drive. That was kind of the chip on our shoulder for the game. And we went in and we showed them. We didn't let off the whole game. So yeah, That was me. Sorry, I picked Manistee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I, I, I'll be honest. I think I picked against you guys most of the playoffs, but I never saw I got to see you guys play. Well, so. I picked you guys against Benzie. Yeah, for yeah, sure. But and I think against I think against Boyne. I can't no, remember who I, I picked I, against Boyne. I'm pretty sure I picked Boyne, but hey, yeah. we we can all admit our mistakes, right? <laughs> now, yeah, I right now, I want to ask you this, Hunter. You since you're our first grailing person, I can't. I mean, quietly, I feel like the fall season as you as messed up as it was, as shortened and this and that. I feel like quietly Grayling as a school had a really good fall sports season and just in general Grayling has kind of like continued to like pop up on our radar here and there and here and there and you guys have done more and more. What has the momentum as a school, the kind of athletic culture been like in your time there? Uh, definitely our athletics has been picking up. There's a lot more athlete or athletes coming out of Grayling now. Just the whole athletic camaraderie around the school has been doing really good lately. Our volleyball was killing it this year. Soccer team had a killer season, too, as well. And then getting Anthony and Elliot from the soccer team after their season was over, too. 
they came and played for us, which was our kicker and then our one corner that we have now. Was that the Boykes? Uh, yep, Elliot okay. Boyk. He came. He he was our kicker for the after their season was over. Okay, okay, yeah, that's what I mean. So like quietly, you got like every one of these teams like kind of pushed further than we all expected. Have you guys kind of embraced an underdog mentality after losing those first three games or, or one three out of the first four games? What has been the kind of attitude for you guys like that? Definitely, it has been. Uh, we really just want to keep moving forward. We want to go all the way, and we understand that that's that's a hard and that's a not a long shot, but it's it's in our reach now, and we want to go for it. But getting those soccer players, I'll go touch back to that. Getting those soccer players, they really wanted to win a district championship, and that kind of sparked a drive for the rest of the football team as well. That kind of helped push us along because that was definitely a surprise to everybody on the team getting Elliot and Anthony coming from the soccer team and coming and playing. Now, how, how cool? Oh, sorry, no, go ahead. How cool is it going to be? Um, your next game, whenever that happens, is going to be a home game in the playoffs. I mean, you, you had the win against Benzie Central, but that was a bit of a different game. Um, but to get another home game this deep in the playoffs, how big is that? That is super big, especially for as said earlier, it was the first time in Grayling history having a regional championship game. So it was a big deal for the town, and this town was super excited. Even the team. It kind of held or held us to a high standard, and we all kind of fell underneath that. We were ready to perform, but hopefully, it still happens. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit more about you. You mentioned way earlier that you you snowboard in the winter season. That's your uh, that's your big thing. What's uh, is that? What's your favorite place around here? The, your favorite place to snowboard, or the craziest one you've been to? Definitely Boyne Mountain. But I've been snowboarding since I was a kid, and I've been to nationals uh, five times for snowboarding. So it's definitely. A big piece part of my life snowboarding is. So I've traveled around as when I was younger for snowboarding. And definitely going out west compared to the Michigan ski resorts is definitely something different. But over the years, Boyne Mountain has definitely stepped it up and has been the place to go. And that's where I've trained for many years as well. So you got to tell me like that Coach Tunney has probably got to have been like, can you not maybe uh, do the snowboarding this winter and not maybe not get hurt before the playoff game? <laughs> Well, yeah, that definitely came true, but uh, the little bit of snowfall that we had and the last shutdown that we had, uh, I definitely got out to Hanson Hills and was messing around a little bit. But our, his coach's big thing is I raced dirt bikes as well, too, in the spring, so that was the big thing coming into this season. They were really hard on me on that. Okay, so you're, are, you, are you just an adrenaline junkie then? Pretty much. I like everything fast, loud, cool. Okay, awesome, awesome. Uh, so just real quick, when you snowboard, are you like, you like do like half pipe like tricks? You grind, you do all that cool stuff. Oh yeah, I used to do half pipe. Michigan had quite a few half pipes, and I I've been out to nationals for half pipe and slope style. And then I used to, when I was younger, I used to race border cross as well. But normally I stick to the train park and uh, doing slope style. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I, I mean, you said you dirt bike as well. Any other just cool hobbies that you that you partake in? I skateboard, too. Uh, Grayling's got a small skate park, so that's kind of been my childhood uh, daycare. Kind of, I just go there all summer. So besides that, hunting, fishing. Now I'm starting so, to the hair, so the hair goes into all those that's, things. That's what I was about to say. I'm starting to connect with the Viking hair to, like, Lords of Dogtown type <laughs> stuff, too, now. Oh, yeah. Uh, so Coach Tunney was telling me about one time in practice where you guys had uh, a thing where you, had, you flipped skill positions and linemen. He said to, to grade how how good your pass protection was. He said I had the best kick step around, so that was definitely uh lineman didn't like that. But the linemen the linemen loved that getting their time to shine. They got their shot at quarterback too. So 
when we did that little switch up. Did that end up being one of those TikToks? It should have been. That honestly should have been. Logan should have been on top of that one. Uh, did, did that help you gain any appreciation for what the uh, the offensive line does for you? I'm sure you already have plenty, but. Oh, 100%. Uh, I love my big guys. They've been killing it this year, but it definitely, we I had a good bond with my linemen this year, and that's definitely something I've had, had in the previous years, but I definitely felt as coming into this year, I feel like I had to build that, and I we did. Close with all my big guys. I talk to them all the time. I do my job, and they do their job, so it works perfect. Well, any uh, just before we go, you want to start asking any social media, anything like that you want to plug, Instagram, Snapchat, and Twitter, anything? Yeah, of course. Uh, check out my Instagram, uh, Hunter underscore Vetline. I have a Twitter out there as well, but that's I'm not big into the Twitter. But so if you if you can sleuth out and find him on Twitter, go ahead follow Hunter. Hunter, we really appreciate you taking some time with us today. You know, best of luck during the pause. We hope to see you out there soon, and good luck snowboarding. Stay safe out there. Thank you guys. I appreciate. It. Thanks for having me again. Another huge thank you to Hunter for joining us here at the Get Around. Grayling, I can't believe it took us that long to have Grayling on the podcast. It's episode 152, but it is always better late than never. And like we said, they've had a sneakily good year in several sports out there. So we're going to have to keep an eye out for the Vikings. That interview sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That means we are going into our all-region reveal for episode 152, where we are going to reveal the first and second team dream teams for the boys and girls cross-country season. Had the culmination at the beginning of November and at MIS. Had a couple of state champions, and it was a hard decision uh, to choose, at least on the girls' side, who was going to be our runner of the year. I mean, we, we kind of went back and forth with this, and ultimately, once again, Head-to-head, it had to come down to it. So without further ado, we're going to run through these like we did with soccer, kind of rotate through and give you a little bit of background on each one of these. Make sure that you check out Sunday's edition of the Traverse City Record Eagle to see the team in its entirety, first team, second team, and honorable mention. We will not be mentioning the honorable mention here on the podcast, but make sure you pick it up to find out everything you need to know about this year's all-region dream teams. So without further ado, let's go ahead and get started. We're going to start off with the girls' dream team. This is where that hard decision was. Uh, We had a couple of girls' individual state champions, you know, one that helped lead, you know, a team to a state championship. But Julia Flynn, the junior from Traverse City Central, was the top dog head-to-head this year. Beat both Emma Squires, uh, Cambry Smith, McKenna Scott. Every time they raced together in these uh, local races up here, Julia Flynn came out on top. She earns her second Record Eagle Runner of the Year honor. She re- she earned it as a freshman. Uh, then last year, Cambry Smith from Petoskey had it. And then this year, Julia takes that honor back. She had her area best time of 16.51 at the PMOS invite to start the year. And he, she placed third at the Division One state finals. We know that is a uh, a pretty tough task to get into Division One. She won the Big North Conference, defeating Emma Squires every time they met. You know, she still has a whole year left at Traverse City Central, so can't wait to see what she does. Next, we have McKenna Scott from Glen Lake, the state champion when she woke up and really didn't think she was going to win one. Won it in Division Three girls at night time of 1930. Was third in the Northwest Conference with a 1842 PR. Really good season for her police escort on the way back to school and another state championship for the powerhouse athletic program of Glen Lake. That was kind of a surprise for her going into the States, but she blasted everybody out of the water into the state finals. 
Who we got next? Emma Squires from Petoskey, the, the senior. She was another one of those girls who was in the, the conversation for the runner of the year. She uh, ran a, a 17.26 PR this year, won the state championship with a 17.54 and was the big North Conference runner-up. Yeah, right behind Flynn. Like you said, those three girls this year was like really, really tough to choose from. And then we get down into another senior from Petoskey, Cambry Smith. She is a runner who won our runner of the year last year. Uh, she never finished outside the top 10 this season. Had a season best 1807.6 and placed ninth at the Division II state finals in 19 minutes and one second. But that's impressive. Never finished out, finishing outside the top 10 and helping lead Petoskey to a state a state title as a team. Next one of Avery McLean, a senior from Traverse City Central. She was only outside of the top five once outside of the finals. Had a season best time of 1810.9. And again, that Traverse City Central girls team, they were ranked up the top of the state all year long and uh, right up there with Julia Flynn as number one and number two. Yeah, McLean, the thing about McLean was she was dehydrated at the finals, had a stumble in the middle of the finals. She ended up finishing way in the back of the pack. Obviously not characteristic of her so her state finals time was quite off i think it was actually well over 22 minutes but as you can see there with that uh 1810 she definitely was like you said that number two runner at traverse city central and uh you know helped lead that trojan team then we've got buckley freshman aiden heron uh she finished fifth at the states for the 2004 won the northwest conference and uh, posted a personal best this season of 1843 as a freshman. Yeah, that was yeah, one. Yeah, she had quite the season as a freshman. I've uh, heard from her parents that she actually did pretty well at the Mitka meet uh, down in Freeland. That's, that was like the, the meet of champions with like across divisions where she, w she was right up in there in the state conversation. We're going to be very excited to see how she does over the next couple of years. Yeah, she was only with her PR this season was only one second behind McKenna Scott, the state champions. PR at 1842, and she beat Scott in the Northwest Conference. Uh, that was a tough one to put between the two as well because as you know, a freshman, freshman yeah, about. a freshman taking on the senior in McKenna Scott. Next, we got C uh, Sarah Lederback from Petoskey, the senior who helped also lead them to the state finals. She ended up 28th at the state finals in 1939, had a PR of 1836 this season, and finished seventh overall in the Big North Conference during that meet. Uh, so, you know, those senior leaders for Petoskey really were a driving force for the Northmen this season. Chloe Musta, senior from Cadillac, 13th in the state at 1907, fifth in the Big North Conference with a PR of 1823. I mean, look, those top runners you got from the Big North, and you got to put them in the dream team because they love, they're, they're always used to running with each other, and Chloe was right up in there. Yeah, she's their number one runner out there at Cadillac, and had, had another good girl that we'll mention here on the second team uh, in just a minute. And then another freshman from Traverse City West, Ava King. Um, she just uh, burst right onto the scene this year in their first year on varsity. Uh, finished 55th at the state, uh, broke 20 minutes at 19.30, finished 6th in the Big North, and uh, had, a, had a PR this season at 18.32. Yeah, that was at the regional final as well. Uh, so in a, in a big spot. It was a faster course, so it was a bit of an outlier for her. But once again, another young gun that we are excited to see how far they can go. Next, we have another Petoskey Northman. I mean, when you have a state championship, it's really, you know, it's a kind of a no-brainer. You got two or three good, really good runners there at the top. Uh, Noelle is no exception. Uh, she ended up 17th at the state finals in 19 minutes, 14 seconds. She was the fourth best runner in the Big North. So you can see, you know, this was a competitive conference 
uh, this season with Flynn and McLean and Squires and Smith. Uh, but, you know, Vanderwall snuck on in there at fourth in the Big North Conference and ran an 1837 personal record this year. Hey, we can't miss someone from this Benzie program. Miley Kelly, coach's daughter, freshman from Benzie Central. Eighth in the state, 1906. Uh, second in the Northwest Conference with an 1850 season PR. She also competed in Nike Virtual Nationals. That's a massive race, a very well-respected one among the cross-country community. Two weeks after state, ran an 1823 in that. I mean, in a normal year, you might have had a chance to go to Portland with that. So pretty good season for Miley Kelly. So that does it for our first team, our dream team for the girls. I'm going to go ahead and run through the second team. If you want to get these stats and a little bit more about these players, like I said, make sure that you pick up Sunday's edition of the Traverse City Record Eagle. But filling out our second team for the uh, girls is Madeline McLean, the senior from Traverse City Central. I'm going to butcher this, so don't don't you know don't hate me. But Kendall So Sopere, I think it's Sopere. Sopere, uh, the junior from Cadillac, had issues with that name for the last couple of years, so I apologize. We got Elliot Smith, the junior from Traverse City West. Elise Johnson, the junior from Benzie Central. Allison Hankins, the senior from TC Central. Anna Nielsen, the sophomore from Traverse City St. Francis. Caroline Farley, the junior from Petoskey. Ava McGinnity, the sophomore from Boyne City. She's a young one that we got to watch out for. And Gwen Phillips, the senior from Cadillac, rounding out our second team. Like I said, if you want to get more information and see our honorable mention as well, make sure you pick up that Sunday edition of the Traverse City Record Eagle. Now let's dive into that boys' dream team. I think this one was a little bit easier for us to make the decision on who is going to be our runner of the year for the second straight year back-to-back, just like the back-to-back state championships for him. Sophomore, Hunter Jones from Benzie Central. He has just been a madman on the cross-country course since he came onto the scene here a couple of years ago now. Right off the bat at the Pete Moss invite, him and Drew Seabase, who obviously is right here on his tails on the all-region team, uh, really battling out. He ran a sub-15 in like the first race of the year. I believe it was a 14.59 or a 15-minute flat and ended up running a PR of 14.56 as a sophomore like I said, back-to-back state champ and beat all these Division One competition all the time. He only had one loss all season. So as a sophomore, this kid is just outrageous. Yeah, he sounds a lot like the last guy in Michigan to win back-to-back state championships. Ryan Shea, also a Northern Michigan guy, uh, Central Lake. Next, we're going to have Drew Seabase, uh, the senior from Traverse City Central. 15-15 PR at the Pete Moss. All other losses were to Hunter Jones. He was the one that gave Hunter a race for his money all year long, and they got another chance to go at Mitka Freeland again, and Hunter still beat him. So, at Traverse City Central senior Luke Van Heisen, 15-30 personal best this season, second in the Big North, and then placed 18th at the States. Yeah, I mean, right there behind Drew Seabase, pushing those Trojans all the way up. Didn't they finish top three in the in the state this year? I believe so. And, and for Seabase, that's his. That was his fourth time running at the state finals, in in four years, um, placing inside the top twenty three times. Yeah, to be on his heels, I know. Uh, I mean, Luke had to have been the guy training with him all those years. <laughs> all right, next is the junior from Kalkaska, yeah. Tyler Gugamos. He ran a sixteen eleven to win the Lake Michigan Conference. Unfortunately, he was not able to participate in the state finals or the later stages of the playoffs due to a COVID quarantine. So only could imagine what he would have been done, but he had the fourth fastest time in the area this season. Yeah, we had that happen to a few of the top runners. I mean, Seabase, 
had it was in a quarantine for a while and he didn't get to run at the pre-regionals or regionals and uh, Julia Flynn as well. That's tough. Gonna add Joe Muha, sophomore from Traverse City West, personal best time of sixteen fourteen, six in the Big North Conference with a top fifty finish in the state finals at a time of sixteen nineteen. Yeah, Manton senior Noah Morrow, uh, he ran an at sixteen eighteen this season, and then uh, backed that up with a sixteen twenty four at the state finals to take eighth place. All state honors never a bad thing to take home in your senior season. He's been you know one of those guys over and over again who has shown up for us. Next, we have the junior from Charlevoix, Sam Peterson, came second in the Lake Michigan Conference behind Tyler Gugamos, and he did get to run at the state finals. Finished thirty fourth uh, with a sixteen forty seven, but his personal record this season was a sixteen thirty four. Uh, may give him, you know, one of the top 10 best times in the area this this year. Micah Bauer, another young guy, sophomore from TC Central. PR 16-22, third in the Big North Conference. 56 at the state finals. The time of 16-22, that's basically in the top 50 in, in my book. Yeah, I mean, he ran, the, uh, he ran his personal best time at state finals. So you always like to see people peak you know, at the end of the season, which is always good. A lot of these times, sometimes you see me at the beginning or just kind of sprinkled in there as an outlier, but peaking at the state finals is always a good thing, kind of like we said with McKenna Scott. We have Mancelona senior Tyler McClure. He's been one of the consistent, consistently good runners here for years uh, up in this area. Ran a 16-24 this year, won the Ski Valley, and was 16th at the state finals with a 16-38. Yeah, for him coming from a smaller school, he has always been all the way up there, you know, usually up there in the top, you know, top five. Even you do these big, like, meet of champions, anything like that, he's usually still in that top ten, even with those Division One runners. You know, a 16-24 from a small school guy like that is nothing to scoff at. Then we have Zeeland Tarrant, a senior from Traverse City, St. Francis. He took fourth place in the Lake Michigan Conference, but kind of stepped that up and took 19th at the state finals with a 16-45. Uh, that was just one second slower than his season best, that was a 16-44. So pretty consistent for him throughout the season. Yeah, that glads and the Glad's boys team this year. I mean, there was, I, I think their coach was telling me that he was, it was one of their best finishes in the school history. So he was their number one runner and leading them all throughout that. Um, and the last one we got is Wesley Van Portfleet, the senior from Benzie Central. Personal best time of 1626 was right up there running with Hunter Jones all season. I mean, he was pretty far back, but he was still running with them. Second in the Northwest Conference. I uh, didn't get to go to the finals because of COVID quarantine, but sure he would have done pretty well yeah another one of those what ifs but that is our dream team for the boys so congratulations to all of our spectacular runners who got those first team honors just like the girls i'm gonna go ahead and run through our second team if you want to get more stats and times and all that good stuff for these people make sure you pick up sunday's edition of the record eagle i don't know how many times i'm gonna have to remind you but make sure that you do it so the second team for the boys we had the junior isaac stone from traverse city west another junior thomas richards from traverse city st francis and we had Luke Anderson, the senior from Traverse City West. Jonah Hostetler, the sophomore from Traverse City West. Cooper Rokop, a junior from Petoskey. Matt Ritter, the senior from Traverse City Central. Gavin Carson, a senior from Boyne City. Evan Bean, a senior from Charlevoix. Lachlan Beebe, the senior from Elk Rapids. Hunter Bentley, the senior from Bear Lake and Onekama. Once again, the honorable mentions will be there in the paper with all the stats for second team, and we will have that in full on this Sunday's Record Eagle. Congratulations to all of our runners who made the first teams and the second teams, and really, really appreciate I really like doing these teams because it's always, it's always fun to kind of take a look at how good our athletes did over the season, and once again, with a few state titles, uh, both team and individual-wise, it's always good to bring some hardware back to Northern Michigan. 
That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Gentlemen, we got just a couple more left, so let's go ahead and introduce our Christmas tournament. There's no sports going on, and as soon as sports got canceled last time, I think we did a bunch of brackets. So now sports are canceled around the Christmas season. What better it's than to do? It's going to be a while since we, uh, until we probably get back to sports now. So, yeah, but, so what, a, what a better way to celebrate the Christmas season than to do a tournament of the best ever Christmas movies. We came out, we looked at some lists, and we came up with the 16, or what we considered to be 16 of the best, if not the best, Christmas movies of all time. Previously, we like used to seed these and try to like make it, but we're going to do this into a random generator and go through it. So I'm going to run through this. Or James is the one who's in the Christmas spirit. I'm going to let James run through this. James has kind of inspired this. I had the idea beforehand, but when he showed up like this, it's like we're doing Christmas. So you run us through the matchups, and then me and me and Andrew yeah. will give you some uh, ad lib feedback. Well, uh, the first matchup is Elf against Polar Express. No brainer. I actually have not seen Polar Express, the complete movie. I've seen bits and pieces of it, but not the entire thing. There's people who are. It's diehard. a very bad story, but it's really cool the way it's animated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's like a lot of it's people. really cheesy story. Yeah, there's a lot of people who are like big into Polar Express, but I don't think it stands a chance against Elf. No. Yeah, I don't think so either. Our second matchup is maybe like the best one of the first round, I think. Uh, Christmas Vacation, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, which is just a classic and a the treasure. Best. Versus A Christmas Story, which I know is one of Brendan's favorites. And I, I say that as a joke because I think he hates that movie. I hate that movie as well. I just don't see. It. I don't. I don't think it's any good. And to play I mean, for twenty four hours on Christmas is just ludicrous. You mean you, it's one of those movies where you've seen it enough, and you're just like, yeah. I, it's one of those movies that you see it once. He goes down the stairs, and he's like, I want a gun, and he gets it. And it, it, it just it, it. Once you see it once, you see it enough. You don't need to see it seven times in one day on every Christmas. What's you next? Watch it. Christmas Chronicles against Home Alone. Now I okay, so I've heard recently that this Christmas Chronicle stuff is awesome. It's Kurt Russell. It's like. It's come out in the last, like, three, four years. They just dropped a second one, so there's one and two. Uh, but does it stand? I mean, Home Alone is still the test of time. I don't know if it can dethrone Home Alone. You know, the the girl that plays the mom on Chits Creek is also the one that plays the mom on Home Alone. Yeah, from way back when. I, I don't know her name, but she's a Canadian actress. But... Yeah, she used to be on Second City TV. The next one is Charlie Brown's Christmas special against The Nightmare Before Christmas. I mean... It's an interesting pairing. I think so, too, but... I, I always, we always, talk, I, I'm voting for Nightmare Before Christmas. That's like a staple in my family. Then we've got two animated movies going head to head with Frosty the Snowman against The Grinch well, that Stole Christmas. Well, yeah, I mean, I think. And which the, Grinch I, movie are we going to use? I, I, the think, one? I think of The Grinch of the one with Jim Carrey. I actually watched it the other day from 2000. I, I think you could just vote on whichever Grinch movie you think is your best. Right. Then that's the one you put in there. Against Frosty there the Snowman. There's been a couple bad Grinch movies. Yeah, but think about it this way: you're going against. Yeah, it's been redone so much that it, yeah, there are bad ones. You're thinking about like the happy, like friendly snowman, and then the Grinch. <laughs> All right, what else we got next? Then next we have the one that the matchup that I'm most proud of, which is Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer against Die Hard. <laughs> God, I'm just. So we're having live action versus a live action in a movie that some argue might not even. It's not. Versus Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer. I will die hard on this hill, and I swear, if it beats Rudolph, I'm going to be so mad. I know it's going I think, to. I know I think it's going so, to. I just be rage voting Rudolph to beat Die Hard. I hope so. I hope so. 
I really hope so. Because, once again, big fan of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, okay? Die Hard's not a Christmas movie. Let's move on. If you ever haven't ever seen it, though, Mad TV did a sketch one time where they did a, a whole Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer thing, but it was focused on Hermie the Elf, and it was just fantastic. They make it into a mob hitman kind of, <laughs> kind of thing, and uh, it's, it's just it's fantastic. Uh, the second-to-last matchup is Jingle All the Way against It's a Wonderful Life, and then we also have another older movie in the last matchup, which is Miracle on, on 34th Street versus the Santa Claus Trilogy. Yeah, I can't really choose one of those Santa Claus movies, so just kind of put it in there. They're all good. Yeah, I mean, who on the list is winning? We do an early prediction from our from our listeners. Who what's the what's the movie that wins in your book, boys? I think Rudolph's going to beat Die Hard in the first round. I hope so. But overall winner, we're placing our bets. We've been betting, guys. You're putting five bucks on the odds here. What's the uh, what's the winner at the end of the tournament here? I don't know, like Christmas Vacation. I if it was up to me, if it was up to me, it would be the same. I put. $10 on Elf. Okay. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at TCRE Sports to join in on these polls that we posted throughout this next week and be, uh, you know, the next round will be done on next episode. Uh, there will only be a few rounds. It's a short tournament, only 16 movies. So make sure that you hop in and get interacted with us. Uh, speaking of interaction, we need to get somebody fed from last week's episode for liking and sharing our episode. James, who is it this week? It would be Lana Watkoski from Traverse City. I believe from Traverse City, St. Francis, for the Charlie Peterson episode. Makes oh, yeah. sense. Yeah, of course. You know, Traverse City, St. Francis, people interacting on the Traverse City, St. Francis episode. We appreciate mm-hmm. you so much. We will be in contact with you to send out those free sub coupons, so keep a look in your DMs. Let's dive into our last segment here, and it is the trifecta. And what is a day complete without a little bit of hate for Michigan and Ohio State? Uh, so basically the trifecta today, we found out not only did the University of Michigan – have to basically cancel its game against Ohio State because of COVID. But they also uh, went against my best judgment and column last week and offered Jim Harbaugh a contract extension if he takes a pay cut. I just want to put that out there. We don't have to talk too much about that. I wrote last week he should be fired, not given a pay cut and an extension. I just feel like they feel like they have a big old foot in their mouth that they can't like swallow, so they need to try and chew it up for a little while. But otherwise, do we do we think that Michigan – has COVID, or do we think that they just did this to screw Ohio State? Well, I think they definitely have it. The irony of it maybe possibly screwing over Ohio State is also delicious. Uh, but I mean, I think so. I, re- I really do like it, but it, it also is like, I feel like it could yeah, be. Yeah, because you as a Michigan State fan, this is like a win-win. This is the ultimate win that doesn't involve Michigan State. The only thing that would have been better is if we actually beat Ohio State last week, and then it would have been like, <laughs> then it would have been full-on, like, happy time. <laughs> But, I mean, do you guys think that the Big Ten, this is basically the trifecta, with this cancellation, do you guys think that the Big Ten will change its rules to not only allow Ohio State to play in the championship game, but also make sure it can make the college football playoff to represent the Big Ten? I think Ohio State should play Indiana a second time. I mean, if Purdue, their Purdue's talking about canceling, might cancel their game with Indiana this week, so Indiana's the next best opponent, right? I mean, we saw with Coastal Carolina and BYU pretty much pull a game out of nowhere and end up being one of the best college football games of the year. I, I, I have a hard time believing this whole thing that you're bringing up that, oh, yeah, Michigan did this on purpose because screw Ohio State. But I mean, I, I have a hard time believing it, it too. Me, <laughs> yeah, right. That, that's about it. I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> I think the uh, Big Ten will will amend its rules to let Ohio State play in the Big Ten title game and make it to the uh, to the championship tournament, you know, because – 
I mean, look at what the MHSAA did. When they came out at the beginning of the year, they said that you had to play four games. Yeah. And then a bunch of teams got in that hadn't played four games. Yeah. I mean, Iron Mountain is still going, and they only played one game in the regular season. But, hey, you want to have your best team on the best stage, and after watching them beat the crap mm-hmm. out of Michigan State last week, I know for a fact Ohio State is by far and away the best team in the Big Ten. Definitely. Definitely. Especially if it's not even worth putting them in the in the Big Ten championship. Just let Northwestern and, like, Indiana play for it, and then just let Ohio State go to the playoff. Just give it to Ohio State. Seriously, they're the best team. Just just have, just have yeah, just have Northwestern and, <laughs> and play for second place. They could, they could. A play-in game. You know what that means, ladies and gentlemen. That is the end of episode 152. We really appreciate you for listening. As always, like, share, retweet. Jump in on our polls. We are going to get you entered in to win a few free Jimmy John sandwiches. Get your fed during this uh, Christmas season while you're shopping or doing whatever. Make sure you don't have to worry about dinner. So make sure you interact with us and we'll get you fed. Thank you so much. We love you. We'll see you for 153 next week.